Good morning and welcome back to our daily morning devotionals. Today we will begin our study of 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. As I said in our first lesson, these chapters provide the most comprehensive teaching on the mind of Christ. Paul takes his time developing this argument concerning the mind of Christ, so we will follow that pattern and look at each point of his argument in some detail. When studying the Bible, it's always good to have some background information that helps you better understand what prompted the writing of the book, knowing something about the people, uh, the circumstances facing the people, what the city was like. Uh, All of those things are important background information, which helps us to better interpret the text of Scripture. And so today I want to begin by giving you a little bit of background information on the city of Corinth and the people of Corinth. The city itself is located on an isthmus which connects the Peloponnese of Greece to the mainland of Greece. Today, there's a four-mile canal through the isthmus, which allows boats to pass between the Aegean Sea and the Ionian Sea. If you've ever had the opportunity to go on one of our junior trips to Europe, you've seen this canal as we have been to Corinth. Emperor Nero, in the first century AD, was the first to try and construct the canal. He was ultimately not successful, but the canal was later built. From Greece's earliest history, Corinth was an important city. Even before the canal, there were ports on both sides of the city, which made it a strategic military outpost, as well as a center for trade and for commerce. People from all over the known world came to Corinth which meant that the population was very diverse and it was filled with people who possessed radically different worldviews. The original ancient city was destroyed by the Romans in 120 BC, but because of its commercial and military significance, it was rebuilt by Julius Caesar. Corinth was a city that was known for its luxury and its licentiousness. The city was very wealthy and cosmopolitan. It produced great works of both art and literature. It also hosted the Isthmian Games, which were held the year before and the year after the Olympic Games. This was an important cultural event for the city. Uh, in fact, athletics was very important in the ancient world, and there were only a few of these regional type of games which brought the population of Greece together to compete in these athletic events. And so this meant that Corinth was a really significant city in the ancient world. The city was also very religiously diverse. The main deity worshipped in Corinth was Aphrodite, the goddess of love. There were at least a dozen temples dedicated to her. There were also temples to Asclepius, Apollo, Athena, Hera, Hermes, and Poseidon. And along with these Greek-slash-Roman gods, there were temples to the Egyptian gods of Isis and Serapis. There was a sizable Jewish population in the city and... After Paul's missionary journeys, there was a growing Christian population in Corinth as well. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Corinth was known for its immorality and its licentiousness. Uh, This was not something that was incidental to the culture, but it defined the culture. Every form of immorality known to man was on full display in the city of Corinth. In fact, in the ancient world, if you wanted to insult someone, if you wanted to insult their morality, you would call them a Corinthian. And everyone knew what that meant. To be a Corinthian was to be immoral. And so with that being said, I think it's safe to conclude that being a Christian in Corinth was hard. There would have been a number of cultural forces pressing in on you, and to live and think differently in such a climate 
would draw scrutiny and possibly persecution. I don't think it's a stretch to conclude that they lived in a world very much like the world we inhabit, which means that Paul's message to them is a message that we need to hear as well. With all of that being said, let's now turn our attention to the text and listen as I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1-3. through 3. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that we see here is Paul identifying who's sending the letter. First of all, it was Paul the Apostle, called by the will of God. And as an Apostle, Paul's message comes with a great deal of authority. It's an authority that was granted to him by Jesus Christ himself when Paul was called by God on the road to Damascus. Now, Paul was not arrogant. He was not being arrogant in saying that he was an Apostle. He was well aware of his own sinfulness, of particular import was the fact that he persecuted the church. And he says himself that he considered himself the least of the apostles. But he was an apostle nonetheless, and so his word carries significant weight. The letter also came from Sosthenes, our brother. Now, scholars speculate as to who Sosthenes was, but ultimately it's not known. However, given the fact that Paul includes him here, he was probably someone known and beloved by the church of Corinth. Now, in identifying the recipients of the letter, Paul actually says a lot of things about them. He says, first of all, that this letter is addressed to the church of God in Corinth. The word translated church means gathering or fellowship. And when the people of God congregate and worship, they are the church or the gathering. But this gathering that takes place in a specific location, in this instance it is Corinth, is an expression, a localized expression, of the universal church of God. This was important for the Corinthians to understand, and it's important for us as well. One of the issues in Corinth was that it broke into factions, and we certainly see this in our own day. But Paul wanted to emphasize to them their unity and their togetherness in Christ. For all who profess the name of Jesus... The most important thing about them is that they are members of the church of God first and foremost. Again, there are localized expressions of the church of God, but ultimately the people of God make up the church of God. He also identifies them as those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, this word sanctified means set apart or called out. We also use the word to talk about the process of becoming holy. All believers are set apart and called out of the world by Jesus Christ. This doesn't mean that we are to physically remove ourselves from the world, but it does mean that our lifestyle and our thinking is to be different from the way that the world thinks. And finally, Paul says that they are called to be saints together with all who call on the name of the Lord. As we think about having the mind of Christ, I really want us to think about what Paul says here to these believers. All believers are called to be saints. 
It's easy to think that our calling as a Christian is simply a call to forgiveness or a call to heaven when we die. Now, to be sure, those are gifts that accompany our calling, but they are not the sum total of our calling. It's easy sometimes for us as Christians to think of our calling as simply having some benefit that we will receive in the future or some responsibility that is put off until the future. But that's not what the Apostle Paul says. Paul says that all believers are called to be saints. Saints are not limited to certain Christians who have accomplished great things. It is a calling that is given to every believer everywhere. We are called to be holy here and now. In everything else that you do, in everything else that I do, in every other calling that is ours, the fundamental thing that defines us or should define us is that we are called to be saints. This truth ought to motivate and transform every aspect of our life. And finally, Paul ends this section with a greeting. The greeting is a greeting of grace and peace. And this is a common greeting that is used by Paul, but we shouldn't overlook it. Paul is not saying this by rote. What he says here contains real theological and practical significance. Every believer in Jesus Christ has grace and peace, which comes only from God and from Jesus Christ. The order of these words is significant. We have peace because we have been given grace. Apart from God's grace, there is no real peace. However, because of God's grace, we have peace with God. We can have peace with one another. And since our theme for the year is the mind of Christ, I want to emphasize that we can have peace of mind. Now, what does that mean? The world is often reactionary. It likes to peddle fear and discord. Having the mind of Christ means being transformed by what God tells us about the world. And principally, what God tells us about the world is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because he is Lord, we have hope. We as the people of God don't need to be anxious because of God's grace we have peace. Today, we will close by praying for our logic school parents and teachers and students. Particularly, I want to pray for those new sixth graders who yesterday literally and figuratively crossed the bridge from grammar school into logic school. Before I pray, I also want to remind you that we have a Spotify playlist called GSB Morning Devotional Hymns. Every day this week, I'm encouraging you to listen to May the Mind of Christ My Savior. Today, listen to it as a prayer that God would truly make the mind of Christ live in you from day to day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the kickoff of school. We thank you for the fact that we are able to come together here at the Geneva School of Bernie. Pray that you would protect us, keep us safe, Pray that you would also help us to grow and learn. 
I want to pray specifically today for the logic schoolers, for uh, those new sixth graders who have made this transition out of grammar school into logic school. I pray it would be a smooth transition for them. Pray that they would be equipped to be the people you have created them in Christ Jesus to be. I pray also for the teachers and for the parents of those students. I pray that you would bless them this day. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.